0: I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. And this is something about Digital Folklore, the podcast. Uh, This is the people who make the The Digital Folklore podcast. So we are here. We're going to try to talk about... Season one, what we learned, try to talk about what we're going to do in season two. And then we're also going to talk about survey responses that we got from that call that you put out. So um, I'm interested, Mason, from the time that we started development of this show through the launching of season one, through the mid of season one and the end of season one. What did you learn? Um, it was
1: we had a, quite a bit of a roller coaster, and also my personal life throughout the entire run of it was a bit of a roller coaster because over the course of starting season one, and from from the point where we started season one to the end of season one, I changed jobs. I had someone who was in a bit of a medical situation uh, living with us, and we were taking caretaking for them, and then I moved states. And all of that was over the course of producing and releasing the first season, so it was an absolute chaotic whirlwind. And I I learned a lot about folklore throughout the process, and also a lot about just how much goes into making a show of this of this level. It's just you and me, right? It's just it's just me and Perry. Um, so like, I write, and then uh, obviously co-host, in edit, sound design. Perry, you're scheduling all of the guests, maintaining the social media, you are going to conferences, you're like making all of these connections.
0: Yeah, there's a, a ton of moving parts, and I think when people see, like, oh, this is distributed by a network, they assume that there's a lot of um, stuff that comes with that. But in reality, the, the benefit of having a network behind us at this point isn't that they're investing money, because they're, they're not, it is that they open up a few relationships and... They open up a few potential advertising possibilities. But like you said, you and I are the ones doing a 100% of the the lift of producing this. And uh if I were to ask you for the story-driven episodes, the ones with all the sound design and everything else, how many hours oh. to put in? L- let's add the scheduling of the guests and everything else onto that. So it's, it's usually...
1: Yeah, I mean, editing down one of those interviews, I think... I think a good one that runs pretty smoothly. And like the audio quality we got was really good. Like say the person had a, had a good microphone, like, like Paul Prater being a guy at a stage shows had like a decent microphone. So I didn't have to do a ton of restoration work and he was very used to public speaking. So like that probably 20 hours to cut down his interview. That was about an hour long. Um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little too picky or a little bit too slow, but each interview, I feel like that's the bit that takes the most time is is trimming down these very long interviews to try and make sure that we're getting a salient point, but that's not too long. And I don't, want, I really don't want to misrepresent what these people say because they know their stuff far more than 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 we do. Yeah. And then the sound design itself is a bit of an adventure in time as well. I should really track it because I bet you an episode of Digital Folklore probably creeps up on the hundred hour mark.
0: Yeah, I would believe that. Uh, that's that's what I would think.
1: The show I was producing before at sort of a high level of sound design is five minutes at a time, and this show is an hour. And I didn't realize that the curve of investment of time and energy would be exponential rather than linear.
0: The other thing that people may not realize, and I know you said that you always try to represent what people did actually say and what they, I, I think more than more than anything, what, what their intentional meaning was and that we're not making somebody sound stupid or, or like their comment is is fully out of context. But there were a couple of times when you manufactured words uh from people's speech or I'm thinking specifically about the Carter Hall interviews where we're exchanging business cards and we never actually had that part of a conversation.
1: Yeah, so we didn't have season one written before we recorded the interviews. In fact, we recorded most of the interviews before we really knew exactly how we were going to structure everything. That's when it gets tricky. So yeah, that whole Carter Hall interaction was manufactured out of like, I think the call dropped for a second. And also there was just some chatter like between us all at the end. So I I chopped up that, and then you cut lines, and then I made them match. It worked out okay. It's a little bit stilted. When we talk about season two, one of the things that I'm doing right now is plotting all of the narrative stuff out so that when we interview these people, we can at least get some lines that we'll be able to use to transition them into and out of. So I would say the biggest lesson learned for me was like, I really need to break this down and try and stay really organized, and also just a lot of small lessons. like We can make things a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter.
0: What was big for you? Outside of all of the the great conversations we had and networking that we were able to do, uh, the biggest thing that I realized, I think, is that doing a podcast at this scale is more of a marathon than a sprint, but it's a marathon that also has lots of very intensive sprints within it. <laughs> so you're you're fully exhausted all the time um, while you're doing it. You know, at the same time, because we're in this every two-week production schedule, there is the PR, marketing, social media, scheduling, all of that stuff that comes into it. And then it's just following up with emails and everything uh, else. I mean, there's tons and tons of quote-unquote business stuff that has to go into this just to get this podcast off the ground to the point where when you are investing hundreds of hours and stuff, you know that it's getting to at least a base level of listenership that can potentially appreciate the, the fact that you're putting hundreds of hours in.
1: Yeah, all the admin and business side of it is overwhelming. Yeah, I can't say I can't express how thankful I am for you tanking so much of that because that's the kind of stuff that I don't. I uh, it just makes my brain hurt. I have a hard time. I mean,
0: the, the other thing that I've seen, and and we hear people talk about it all the time, is just that you know, in the business of podcasting, getting the right level of exposure is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so the big pushes that we've had where we've had a doubled listenership from an episode to another episode have been because we put marketing behind those And it really is, it's marketing and PR that got us featured in Apple Podcasts and got a lot of the chart placements. Um, And that's great, but we still never hit that tipping point where word of mouth has taken over. Goal for season two, get it to where we have to spend less money on marketing and word of mouth takes over. Yeah. So let's let's transition a little bit and talk about the uh, post-season one survey that we put out. First of all, thank you to everybody that filled out the survey. Uh, I will say, with the number of respondents that we have, this is typical of a show four to five times our size from the people that I've asked about that. So it's really good to see. We asked people, how much of the season have you listened to? Over 87% of people said that they've listened to all 10 episodes of season one, which is huge. And everybody else listened to at least seven episodes. So super cool stuff there. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts there on your side, Mason?
1: Yeah, I think that that first question was has listening to digital folklore changed what you think folklore is? Um I wanted to figure out with the answer to that, how many people listening to our show were like academic folklorists versus people like you and me on the same journey of like, oh yeah, folklore, you know, like creepy old stories and then realize, oh, it's a whole lot more than that. The majority of the respondents said, yes, this show changed the way they think about folklore. So that says to me that we're reaching people who were like us, completely unaware of the wide world of folklore, but had like a passing interest in it and then fell in love with what it is and discovering how how fascinating it is to study. Um, that does feel like a big mark of success to me, too. Yeah,
0: I, I think that that tipping point for that. Um, and again, that was another 87 percent over 87 percent of people listened to all 10 episodes. Over 87% of people said that this changed the way that they think about folklore and what they thought folklore was. When it gets to this uh, other question about what was the most memorable thing that people learned, some fairly, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but fairly obvious things came up for people that are, are new to folklore, things like ostension and monster theory, uh, things that we were really fascinated with and brought out more than once through this. What that says, though, is that our expressing interest in those ideas and exploring
1: them really did stick and really did resonate with people. Yeah. Like using the word, obviously it's funny because I I feel like when we did that episode, it wouldn't have been obvious, but now we've, we've talked so much about it and explored it so much. We're like, yes, it's just, you saying that just now made me realize how much foundational knowledge I personally have built up around folklore over the the course of of doing the show and learning about it. I kind of feel like our goal with this show is to trick people into being interested in and learning about folklore, right? That is exactly the goal. Because you come into it thinking dark, spooky stories, you get a little bit of dark, spooky stories, and you're like, wait, this is actually really
0: societally interesting and huge. Societally interesting and huge and important and relevant, right? Because it does get into really the fundamentals of what makes or breaks a society.
1: Yeah, no, it really does. and Because it's just so much about the communication we do as humans.
0: Hey listeners, if you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And your membership lets you get into premium format shows like IMAX and 4DX at a reduced cost. Plus, you'll save 10% on all non-alcoholic concessions. Regal Unlimited, it's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com unlimited. And be sure to use the code Folklore24 to get 10% off a three-month subscription. Shout out to
1: Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Heya, Mason here, and I don't think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I have two cats, two big old boys named Chester and Cinders, and I love them both very much. But I didn't grow up with cats, and I've never suffered from general allergies like pollen, so it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that I was allergic to them. No joke, when I started working from home, I would say things like, wow, I feel like I'm losing my voice every day, or isn't it weird, I can't breathe through my nose for some reason. Ultimately, it was my partner who said, that really sounds like allergies. And long story short, now I take a Claritin every day. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount. So you can live claret and clear,
0: use as directed, so um, any other comments in that, what was the most memorable thing that stood out to you? One of the stories that we did that stuck out with me the most was the
1: mini lights story from uh, Mark Muncie, and it was interesting to see that a lot of people mentioned that as well in the most memorable thing,
0: yeah, yeah, I think that that was chilling for a lot of people because it showed the really the ugly side of how folklore works,
1: yeah, and it's also, I think. A perfect micro-encapsulation of exactly what this show can be at its best. Not only was the story that Mark told compelling and important uh, because it was talking about this legend being rooted in this horrible, horrible thing. It was also told very compellingly. Yeah. So we have this combination of Mark telling this story, the bookmark falls out that has the advertisement for the alligator farm. Um, When you combine a narrative with facts and information it helps things really stick in your brain in a way narratives are sticky that's a big thing we talk about too obviously like that's why folkloric misinformation is dangerous so using the narrative framing device of our show to explore all of these concepts the hope in a way with that is also just to make sure that all of these things that we're learning are extra sticky in the brains of the listeners because you get sort of a sense of place you get this build that's compelling and it helps you make all these connections in your head so the thing I was really excited to see was comments like, like this when people were asked why certain episodes were their favorite. Multiple people echoed this sentiment, but one of them is, I think the storyline of the episode made it memorable. I don't think I could tell what happened in which episode without that kind of narrative. Because mm. the narrative element has been a bit of a an interesting thing to grapple with people's expectations, as, as we've talked about in the show. But a lot of people saying things like, this person said... Uh, their favorite episode a good mix of storytelling and information. Episodes 10 and 8 feel just like an interview. And while there was lots of interesting information, not fully what I come to the podcast for. On the other hand, 7 and 9 feel like pure storytelling, which is also not what I come to the podcast for. I like the ones where there's both and they merge cohesively.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good critical feedback as it shows us. The expectations that we set up, right? Because I, early on with the show, we were hearing a lot from people who listened to the show and they didn't really know what to expect. And so we were we were getting some people that are like, that's not really why I'm here. I would rather just listen to an interview show or I'd rather just listen to a fiction show. Now we've really set audience expectations, and when we divert from that in a significant way and we go too hard one way or too hard the other, uh, now we hear from people going, no, I'm actually here for the thing that you created. Yeah. And I want you to lean more into that, which is really cool. The other really encouraging thing, um, one of the survey questions was basically what kind of format do you like the most? we did see far and above that the use of the narrative device within this that was so controversial at the very beginning is the favorite thing that people have
1: yeah and that is very cool because it it was it was dicey i got i got to admit i have my feelings hurt from some of the early, <laughs> early reviews <Right. laughs> you know that were like these hosts have no personality they have no banter they have no business being actors and like that's not fun to hear, and so I, I was feeling discouraged about that, but we we muddled through it, and I think it was worth it because like to me, for what it matters for, for for me personally, like consuming content like this is the best way for me to learn like if i if I can take these facts and information and place them inside of something that keeps my silly little squirrel brain interested. yeah, how do you create a Trojan horse for the thing that you want to put out there? I really love it, so it's cool to see that we're reaching other people who who really love that. And one of the big goals, I'm not I don't have a lot of experience in writing. I have a lot of experience uh, as an improvisational actor, as an as an actor in general, but not a lot of experience in long form narrative writing. And so in between seasons I've been doing a lot of research and practice and reading ways to become a better writer, trying to make the characters more compelling, make the narrative more cohesive. So hopefully in season 2 you will see what I have been working on there and Maybe some of the people who are a little on the fence about it will be more excited.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, when we when we look at it, people really like the fictional narrative. They really like it when we explore dark topics. You know, the, the favorite yeah. episode by and far was episode seven. So the analog horror one uh, followed closely by episode one, uh, which was very dark in nature. And then also episode three, the pawn shop one was a favorite of a lot of people. And then people really like those little opening vignettes. What was the one that had Brooke do the narration on the uh, the video game? Oh, yeah, that was that was episode three. This... Yeah, episode three. I think that hit really well for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that was like a little creepypasta that I remembered reading ages ago. And then as we were planning that episode, that uh, the story just popped back into my head. And so I was like, this would be a great little tone setter because it's melancholic. It fits sort of the theme so I'm trying to. I want to try and incorporate more of that into season two as well. Yeah, it
0: is. It's, it's a great tone setter, and I. I think what people have come to appreciate is that creativity is an inherent part of the way that we're going to run this show. And there's a little bit of an ADHD nature. So, like you you mentioned, if you have a a brain that has a tendency to dart off and do other things, we want to do everything that we can to like grab attention and pull it back into the area that that it needs to be in order for somebody to focus on the show.
1: Yeah, and who knows? Maybe if I uh, maybe when I find a psychiatrist and I get medicated for my ADHD again, maybe our storyline will become a
0: little bit uh, more cohesive. <laughs> you never know. Um, all right, so we asked some people to describe the podcast in one sentence. I'll just highlight a couple. Here's a fun one because it shows the podcast lifestyle says it's light enough to listen to while cleaning, but too interesting to fall asleep to. Yes, and I always thought, as a creator, I don't want somebody to fall asleep to my stuff. I want them to to stay awake and engaged. I understand the value of of you know a peaceful voice putting you to sleep, but um, but I'm glad that we are too interesting to fall asleep
1: to. There's one that is written by someone who I must assume writes articles or something because they said. Digital folklore is a unique hybridization of audio drama, expert interviews, and educational deep dives, which provides playful humor, unnerving tension, and illuminating perspectives on the nature of belief in such unbelievable times. That's going on the website.
0: Uh, all right, here's one you'll have to bleep. Um, masterful mind Factory. <laughs> That's very good. Um, this one I don't think was meant to be
1: positive, but I, I kind of like it. Uh, It says, it's like if American Hysteria and Welcome to Night Vale had a baby that wanted to be an interview podcast.
0: (laughs) That's actually true, though. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I followed that one through, and I believe that uh, that person had a few other (laughs) interesting remarks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was the the one about two white guys can start a podcast without knowing anything about what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. they said, what, is, what was your biggest takeaway from the show? And they said, white dudes really will start entire podcasts without having a basic grasp of the fundamentals of any part of their primary topic. And like, amazing roast. Incredibly funny. Yes. I, I, I really agree with where this person is coming from. Um, I think perhaps we misrepresented ourselves in some of the interviews we did elsewhere when we say, like, neither of us knew anything about folklore when we decided to start this podcast. I think that is what that is a direct response
0: to. Probably is, yeah. They they maybe not have known all the other research and reaching out to people and trying to get some low-level mastery of the subject before we went forward. Like, I did go take a class at Harvard on folklore and uh, did a number of other bits of research around it. So it's, we didn't come in totally cold. Yeah. But the whitest thing you could possibly do is go to college about it. You know, sure, that <laughs> is true. That's a very white <laughs> entitled thing to do is like, I shall go to Harvard and learn a little bit about folklore so that I can now put that in my podcast.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, which is why it's like, it's so true though. Inc- very good commentary. Like, honestly, I, d- I don't disagree with you. The white dude audacity, but we're trying, we're trying our best to make, you know, to be useful and helpful and good. And something we want to do too is amplify uh, other voices that are not
0: white dudes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, a thing is we, as we try to find voices, we do try to intentionally break out of our own bubbles a little bit. And so we are always trying to ask people who uh, who else we should be speaking to so that we can find new voices, find new people, find new perspectives and, and get those reflected out there. But if anybody does have Criticism, whether it's well intentioned or not, we would love to hear that. You can always reach out to us. Uh, we don't want to be so stuck in our own ways that we're not willing to listen to correction.
1: Yeah, and well, cis white dudes are the last people who need grace given to them. Uh, we're not asking for that. We'll just we're just going to try and show you that we we can do better on that. You Ex- know exactly. Um, we'll try and challenge those assumptions as we move forward.
0: All right, so uh, let's cover a couple more questions real quick, and then we'll get to some announcements on season two. Um, there is uh, another question here on anything else that people would like to tell us. And one of the the themes that came out of that that uh, I think we both talked about before we hit record was that there was numerous people that said that this is a show that they love to listen to in the car with their kids, which yeah. I think is super rewarding for me. Because when we were putting together our plan for the show, we had this little pyramid of intended audience. And one of those sets was parents that are looking for safe things to listen to as a family on vacations and in car rides. And we we actually saw that reflected back out to us.
1: Yeah. And I, I, there was someone, I'm trying to find the exact quote so I can read it verbatim, but they said something along the lines of like, I really liked the fact that there's a narrative to these episodes because my kids will pay attention and then I can also listen.
0: You know exactly. Yeah, the kids aren't aren't distracting from the thing. They're actually brought into it, which is you know one of the one of the reasons that we have these weird little side things going on. We have characters like Digby that come into it. Is it it all makes it something that is very very approachable by somebody regardless of their age, as long as they're willing to entertain things in a non strictly interview format. There are tons of great folklore shows for people that only want an interview. Yeah. And there are tons of great fiction shows for people that only want fiction. There are very, very few shows that try to approach these kind of topics like we do.
1: Also, I feel like not everybody knows that there are audio dramas that they might like. Whereas like that's sort of my realm of the podcasting that that, that I like to consume the most. So if you are listening, you're like, man, I should just listen to some regular audio fiction. Like the people we have on as voice actors largely are people who are also in fiction podcasts. So you can go to the credits of the episode, find those people and find some great fictional shows. And also... The people we interview are often interviewed on other podcasts or have a podcast of their own. Like, we're going to be talking a lot with Mark, who runs the Folklore podcast. Mark Norman. Mark Norman. Yeah. And then, you know, his show is great. If you want to listen to an interview show that dives deeper on these concepts, I would love for our show to be your gateway to other things in this realm, whether that is audio drama or interview shows about folklore.
0: Exactly. Um, Any other comments in this, uh, this last responses section that really stuck out to you? There is one person who said kind of what I was just talking
1: about was uh, I've learned so much about folklore as a discipline from you and your incredible guests. I've gone on to dig deeper into a lot of their work. Please keep the episodes coming. Very cool. That's probably the most rewarding thing from that. Also, there are, sorry, there is one comment from anything else you'd like to tell us that I absolutely have to bring up. It was a respondent on June 19th, 9.40 a.m. my time. uh, And they wrote in and said,
0: I love rats a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and that, I think there's wisdom in that. Um, with that, we did promise that the first 50 people to do the survey would get some stickers. And so we do have those 50 names and addresses collected. And I will be addressing envelopes and doing all the mail runs and everything for that over the next uh, couple of weeks. So please be patient. It does take a little bit of time since it's all manual work. And we also do have our winner of the Digby plush toy, and that is... Yes, we do. I'm not going to say the last name, so don't be afraid when you hear the first name come out. Uh, The name is Carla. Last name starts with C. So, Carla, you will have a Digby plushie headed your way very soon as well. So, thank you for your responses there.
1: Yes. The Digby plushies are so great. I have one. Perry has one. It's got a cute little shirt. It's great.
0: They're they're not for sale on the website. We are going to start an underground Digby plushy economy.
1: Yeah, we're gonna sort of. So it's kind of like crypto, but fluffy and fizzy. It's like the opposite of crypto.
0: It's a Digby NFT. That's not an NFT. It's in real life. It's a it's a nominally fuzzy toy. Is what is what NFT stands for. And it's backed by RackCoin. I think you've you've um, you've improvised yourself into a corner. Yeah, um, I, I, that's, I have. <laughs> All right, so we so we made that announcement. Uh, let's talk a little bit about season two, and then we got to give people some time back, and I got to go to another meeting.
1: Oh yeah, we've run up, we've run long.
0: So as we think about the next phase of the Digital Folklore podcast. There are basically a couple different ways. We're going to try to give everybody a lot of the things that they really loved about the show and also create a little bit more separation so that people know what they're getting whenever they hit play. With that, we heard a lot of people do value some of the straight interview episodes. Mm -hmm. It's not the primary value for the show, but there are a lot of people that were like, I just want that every now and then. We are going to continue some of these unplugged episodes that uh, you've seen as we've been, give, we've been doing those as bonus episodes between seasons, so you'll have more and more of those. Um, there's another format that we are going to start very soon called Folklore Curious, and these are going to be very quick uh, hit episodes, about 15, 20 minutes, where we both talk and break down a specific folklore-related concept, giving a little bit of research, some anecdotes, uh, anything interesting that comes up with that. And then quickly out, so if you want to know a little bit about a concept, a little bit about something that we thought was interesting, that'd be a really quick and easy format for us to get those out so you can scratch that folklore itch. And then we'll continue to have our flagship digital folklore episodes, and all 10 episodes in this next season will be narrative-driven rather than kind of oscillating back and forth between high production, low production, high production, low production, and so on. So uh, what can you tell us about season two? Well,
1: yeah, I think that you just highlighted something that I don't think was actually clear to anybody but us, and it was that in season 1 we tried to alternate between big production episode and then a smaller one that usually took place in my studio. Originally every other episode wasn't going to be sound designed, but then we started creating this whole fictional studio and universe around it, so it ended up being blurry. Season 2, people said they wanted more actual storytelling and cohesive narratives. They thought it was a little bit hard to follow the way the narratives were structured in season 1. So guess what? Season 2 I have an A, B, and C plot for you through all 10 of those episodes. Okay. This bad boy can fit. Picture I'm slapping the podcast right now. You can fit so much narrative in this bad boy. Season two, we are talking memes. We're talking meme warfare. We're diving into misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy, how those things work. We touched on them a little bit in season one, but we're diving deep. We have a great interview about deprogramming people who are too far down the rabbit hole Uh, We're going to be exploring different folk groups and online communities and their specific implications, like looking deeply at Tumblr and why Tumblr is its own specific flavor of weird. Going to talk about Goncharov, as we alluded to in the trailer. We're going to talk about the Mandela effect, folk belief and false memory. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence and the implications that that has on folklore. We'll be talking with folklorists about their favorite contemporary legends. We'll be diving into the back rooms, looking at the folklore of absurdity. Creepy clowns are going to be involved. All of this is wrapped up inside of a very exciting narrative that I'm very, very pumped to share with you, because it's tropey, it's silly, it's fun, and there's a lot of arcs, and I think you'll be happy with all of the character development and and other stuff that goes into that. We have a lot of cool interviews lined up, because at the ISCLR, Perry, you talk to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's so many things that were at that conference that are on point for themes that we're going to be diving into in Season 2, so... It was extremely fortuitous that I was there and uh, a lot of fun people that we still have to reach out to. Um, But we do have a date for season two that we've semi-mostly, kind of, uh, I think, in fact, committed to, which is September 4, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we told Jeff Bezos that's when it comes out. No pressure. As much as I don't mind lying to Jeff Bezos, I do think we should aim for that. Uh, I think we should. Amazon Music has this thing where you can submit your podcast uh, to be featured. So if you have a podcast and you want to do that, you should check it out because I think you still can.
0: Yeah. And I think um, I've mentioned that same date to several other people since then who have been asking for follow up. So we're we're targeting that date. In the
1: interest of, like, trying to set expectations, I want to say that we we still have to figure out some of the kinks of it. But I think it would be ideal if every other week we had uh, a shorter, either an Unplugged or a Folklore Curious. Yes. And then, you know, biweekly you get the big episodes, and biweekly you also get those little fellows. Yeah,
0: so that so that every week there's something in the feed. And then with us going live on September 4th, that means we will also be releasing seasons right around Halloween as well. And so if there's something cool that we can do around the time where everybody wants to be scared, then uh, we'll see what we can fit in. Yeah, it's going to be creepy.
1: It's going to be silly. It's going to be really fun. And as we get closer to Halloween, some some things are going to be really cool. I think we'll have something that's pretty immersive and spooky.
0: Awesome. All right. let's wrap up. Mason, thank you so much for spending hundreds of hours editing together my incoherent voice, as well as the voice of of others who are not experienced speakers or actors. Um, Thank (laughs) you for for all your help
1: with this. hard, Hard stretch to call yourself not an experienced speaker. You literally just gave a talk.
0: Not an experienced speaker with any kind of eloquence. Nah, that's not true. Thank you for
1: bringing me in and keeping me involved in this. This is an incredibly rewarding and fun thing to be a part of. Uh, and thank you for being patient as I'm way too meticulous with stuff. But I think I think we're setting ourselves up good. I think season two is going to be knocking it out of the park. And thanks to everybody for listening and yeah. supporting
0: us. If you really, really want to go the extra round, again, uh, mention it to friends, family, people, random people on the street, anybody with a podcast player or smartphone. If you haven't yet and you've been on the fence, we would love for you to join us on Discord. If you have the inclination and a few extra bucks, we would love support on Patreon. Everything that we do costs money. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not at the point where we're recouping everything that we're putting in yet. So sustainability is, a, is mm-hmm. one of those things that we want to get to. Yeah.
1: Also, if you are a podcaster or a voice actor and you have an interest in cutting some lines, there are a lot of little ancillary characters in this second season that have some one-off lines, and I'd love to put your voice in and then throw a credit in the show notes. Like, that'd be really fun.
0: Yeah. Or, or if you work for a big company, a brand, and you're looking to sponsor a show, you work for an educational organization and you want a shout out, you know, we'll, we'll always shout out folklore education programs for free. And if you're a company that has deep pockets and you want to support a couple of crazy folks doing a podcast, we would be happy to talk to you about that and uh, yeah. see what we can do to help each other.
1: And, and lastly, if you just inherited a bunch of money out of the blue and you're kind of on a manic bender and hyper fixating on this podcast and you want to just donate most of that inheritance to it, that's also something that you can do. Cool. Send
0: us an email. We also have a, a $1,000 a month Patreon level <laughs> that, that you can subscribe <laughs> I, to.
1: I forgot about and that. And
0: I'm not lying about that. It, it is limited <laughs> to one subscriber. You get a voice part on the show for an episode. Uh, you can subscribe for one month and then cancel. Uh, and you also get the uh, what we're calling the un. NFT, which is a printable certificate. I
1: forgot that you made that. That
0: you could hang on your wall. Yeah, Yeah. if you
1: really want to commit to the bit with uh, with a big old (laughs) chunk of your wallet, please, by all
0: means. So... Uh, But thank you so much for everybody that's been listening. Whether you can support or not, that doesn't matter. Um, We love just knowing that we're connecting with you. Thank you to all of our previous guests, all of our future guests, people that have been wanting to get in touch. Please do so. Never hesitate to reach out. And we will be filling your ears with tons of fun soon. Yes, we'll catch you on the flip side. Coming soon to RSS. I'm telling you we are in the wrong timeline. None of this is right. This this isn't real.
1: I want to quickly describe what the Mandela Effect is. Kazam is a real movie. Shazam is not. But a lot of people do remember seeing a movie with Sinbad. But it doesn't exist. We are all occupying slightly different universes. Pack your bags and jump in the Volkswagen. The crew of Digital Folklore returns for a new season. I just googled it. How? With my brain? I'm sorry. What? What? All of it. It's all AI generated. That's spooky. Yeah. AI is kind of spooky in general.
0: AI really is divining the syntax of our folk belief in a lot of ways that we may be wholly unconscious of
1: new insights new interviews new topics it's the name because it's like the fake grass that's in a football stadium astroturf
0: wait hold on that grass is
1: fake always has been no it hasn't misinformation and disinformation are a little bit too close one of them is just information that is wrong and the other one is information that is deliberately wrong from misinformation to the cultural significance of memes and beyond
0: two words Meme Warfare. Meme Warfare? Meme Warfare. Where did you get that?
1: Dive into the nuance of specific online platforms. Gontrov is a movie by Martin Scorsese. It's the greatest mob movie ever made, and it doesn't exist. It's haunted by the specter of memory of a different time.
0: And follow along as a new legend emerges. What
1: the? Mark lives... Here?
0: That's what the GPS says. No,
1: no, there's no way. I think I would have noticed a straight up wizard tower behind the Kroger.
0: That is what I've been saying. Memory can't be trusted. Digital Folklore, Season 2. Man, if I got a story for you.
1: Coming soon to RSS and podcast players worldwide. What'd you think? Pretty good, little guy. I mean, it's a bit cheesy, but. Yeah. Cheesy? Coming from you? What? From you? Okay, hey, Digby. I'd like to see you try to make a good trailer in Windows Movie Maker. I mean, seriously, man. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my
0: feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it.